The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Con- your host, Roger Colton. The Belmont Fire Department represents one of Belmont's frontline front first responders. Whether it be a personal emergency involving an emergency health issue or a home or business fire or severe weather requiring an emergency response, the fire department is there. One danger with having the fire department be so ubiquitously present is that we might start to take them for granted. To make sure we don't do that, I've invited Belmont Fire Chief David Frizzell to be a guest today. Chief, thanks for coming. Good morning. Thank you. Chief, uh, before we really get started talking about the department, can you give us an uh, introduction to yourself? You're a Belmontonian, right? Yes. I'm a second-generation firefighter. My dad was on the department, uh, which kind of led me uh, in that direction. I started on the fire department uh, 33 years ago as a uh, fire alarm operator, answering the calls, dispatching the equipment, and uh, rose up through the ranks and for the last 15 years have been the chief of the Belmont Fire Department. And uh, can you give us uh, an overall uh, description of Belmont's firefighting uh, uh, force? So the department is authorized strength right now is 54. There's four of us that work uh, administrative days, the ch- myself, the assistant chief, uh, the fire prevention officer, and the training officer. The remaining 50 members, of which there are 47 males and three females, are assigned to uh, four individual groups. Um, so on a rotating basis, they work every fourth day, and they work a 24-hour shift. So they start their shift at 7.30 in the morning and work till 7.30 the next morning. And are firefighters uh, assigned to uh, particular uh, fire stations? We have two fire stations, one on either side of the tracks. Yes. Uh, do they, so uh, we, do we, they always work out of the same station? Uh, the majority of the firefighters work from the same station every shift they work. So that's headquarters at 299 Trapella Road and Station 2 at Leonard Street. At 299 Trapella Road, the headquarters station, we have one engine uh, pumper that has three personnel on it. We have the rescue ambulance with two personnel on it and the shift commander who uh, operates an SUV that's specially equipped. At Station 2, we have an engine company with three members on it, and the ladder company operates out of that station with two members on it. So they're assigned to those specific companies, and there are people that will rotate in to fill in shifts if there's uh, sickness or vacation or other reasons that personnel are out. And even in asking that last question, I heard me make an assumption, which uh, I don't know if it's uh, correct or not. I I referred to which side of the tracks uh, you're on. Is that a a meaningful distinction, or is that just something people talk about, people like me talk about? It it was a deciding factor on station location. Uh, We do have uh, the railroad tracks that uh, bisect the town. Um, The station on uh, this side of the tracks, here we are on the Trapella Road side, um, actually covers about uh, 40% of the uh, area of the town, but does about 60% of the responses. Uh, And it's the reverse on the other side. 
But with the limited crossing points of the railroad tracks, it means that we need stations on both sides in order to meet the NFPA standards of having a four-minute response. Now, does uh, people talk about being a firefighter does, uh, as though it's a generic uh, uh, label? Does everybody do everything outside of administration? Does everybody do everything, or do people have assigned roles? So um, unlike larger departments um, where you may be assigned to a ladder truck and that's what all you do your whole career, communities, uh, mid-sized departments like Belmont and smaller, you have to be the jack of all trades. You have to be able to run the pump, stretch the hoses, throw the ladders, uh, do rescue, do EMS. We do everything. And all of our members are cross-trained. You talk about, uh, or you mentioned that you've been uh, chief for 15 years and been in the department for 30, 33 years. Uh, has firefighting changed? Is that a silly question? I, I assume there's new technology. Well, let me not assume. So uh, the firefighting has evolved from uh, horse-drawn apparatus. Uh, we are still putting predominantly water on the fires. Uh, one of the things that's happened with uh, the fire nature or the nature of fires and how they burn is we have tremendously more, uh, a greater amount of plastics uh, in our houses, in our businesses, where 40 or 50 years ago it was natural products, it was cottons, it was wools. Now we have foam rubber and th synthetics, and those burn oh. two to three times hotter than uh, the natural materials. You used to have tens of minutes to get out of a house safely uh, when a fire starts. Now you have less than three minutes to make it out of the house before the house reaches a condition where you may not be able to make it out safely. And are there toxics involved with that? Do you have to worry uh, about toxics? Or yeah. to what extent do you so, worry? So um, there's been a, uh, a uh, with the modern materials has also Come an increase of cancers within firefighters and things like that. So there's a movement now to make sure that um, we are treating a fire after a fire almost like a hazmat event. So the firefighters will be cleaned off um, and their equipment will be taken away and cleaned before they are allowed to reuse it again because the environments are to more toxic than they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. I'd like to go back through the, the timeline, too, because I think the timeline you just laid out is pretty remarkable. I, I've never, ever thought about it. But you, uh, you mentioned a, a four-minute response time is a, a standard set by a, the National Fire Protection Association, referred to as the NFPA. So uh, yeah, the town of Belmont uh, uh, Communications Center gets a call. You have four minutes to respond. From, from the time where it's actually bro broken up, they, they have a certain amount of time to uh, answer the call, dispatch the call. Then we have what's turnout time. So they have the firefighters have 60 seconds to get from whatever they're doing in the station on the truck ready to go. Once they're ready to go and they're rolling, they have four minutes to make it from the station to the call. Um, and it depending on time of day, that's influenced traffic. We all know of the course. issues of traffic. So that slows us down. Weather can slow us down. But uh, our goal is 90% of the time making it there within four minutes or less from the time we actually start rolling. And then once you get to uh, 
a a location uh you of course not all fires are house fires but you have three minutes you said to so if if if, if it were a if it were a house fire um in most cases now we are arriving either in its very incipient stage because people have smoke detectors and they forgot their item or they they realize what's going on and they uh, call us immediately and we respond and we catch it right away. The problems that we have nowadays is that w there's often a delay. 30, 40, 50 years ago, one parent or one party in the house worked. There was usually somebody home. So during the day, they, they might spot something and attend to it quicker. Now with uh, multiple family members working, nobody being home, when we usually find out about a fire that occurs like during the middle of the day, a lot of times it's a neighbor or somebody passing by that has seen smoke coming out of the house or actual visible flames. And by that time, that fire has progressed well beyond the incipient stage. And in order to shave time, is it just repetition? I mean, you have to be, you, you can't do something and then redo it. You have to know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. There's a question in there somewhere. but So uh, every fire is different. No two fires are the same. So it's, it's very hard to say that there's a cut and dry um, uh, process to extinguish the fire. What we do have is certain objectives. We want to make sure that uh, life safety is paramount and primary. And then it's establishing, you know, getting the water lines in, establishing ventilation. That's when we, we call it ventilation. It's breaking the windows. It's allowing the hot gases out of the building, allowing us to get in, getting a supply line from the hydrant, from the nearest hydrant to give us a continuous water supply because we only carry 500 gallons on the truck. And again, if uh, we're flowing water, that's a little over three minutes of water we can flow from the truck, and then we're out of water. So within that three minutes of we, st we start flowing water, we need to have a line from the hydrant. So th there's a lot of things that are going on simultaneously uh, during a fire incident. Um, Which uh, makes, uh, makes one of the things I've always heard about winter weather in Belmont uh, make sense uh, in that I've heard the fire department ask neighbors to clear their fire hydrants because if you're working on minutes, uh, you certainly don't have time to dig out a fire hydrant. So that, that is uh, one of the things that we have to struggle with during the winter. Um, as I tell people, my hydrant is shoveled. If you have a fire at your house, it's your hydrant that may or may not be shoveled. You should work it out between you, your neighbors, and all the rest. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the neighborhood fire hydrant. And would you rather have us spending time putting your fire out or trying to first find the hydrant and then shovel it out, eating up precious time. So like I said in the, uh, a few minutes ago, we have to get the, the, we bring a hose line into the house, we have three minutes of water. If we don't have that feeder line, we call it from the hydrant, within that three minutes. You're in trouble. We're in trouble. Or you're not in trouble. The, right. <laughs> the, the homeowner is Whoever in is having that fire is in trouble, yes. And uh, is the question of who gets sent where uh, predetermined? Yes. Yeah, so we have uh, the um, town is broken up into dis different districts. Uh, we start with the closest trucks are sent first, 
And the order that the trucks are sent establishes what duties they do at the incident. So the first truck establishes the uh, attack line going into the fire. The second two engine um, then does the water supply. The ladder truck has its duties, the rescue company, which is dual purpose. So they, they run the, we call it a rescue, they run the ambulance. So when they're not assigned to fire calls, they're doing EMS calls, but when they have a fire call, they are firefighters. So they, they carry their gear on the ambulance, they carry air packs and everything, so they go right to work at a fire. One of my impressions is, uh, and I'm not sure what this impression is based on, but uh, is that one of the evolutions of the fire department, and I'll put quotes around fire, is that you're doing more and more medical responses. Is that a correct impression? We do a fair amount of, over 50% of our calls are medical responses. Um, we have probably 15 or 1,600 calls a year that are medical responses, which result in anywhere between 1,000 and 1,200 transports to the hospital. So we, we don't dictate you know, people's health or how often they go to the doctors or what medical conditions. So we're kind of, uh, we don't have any control over um, the types of calls we receive or how often we receive them. Um, but there has been a slight up um, tick in medical calls, but nothing drastic. It's, it's fairly flat, um, but it's, it's over 50%. And one of the questions behind the question, behind my question was that I said at the opening, I didn't want people to take the fire department for granted simply because it's always there. But we also don't want people to think that, well, gee, there's not very many fires in Belmont. So there's there are these folks uh, sitting around waiting for a call that rarely comes. I mean, there's you guys do you folks do. A lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we respond to over 3,000 calls, emergency calls a year. Uh, and uh, we, um, the days of the, uh, what's often seen on TV of the firefighters with the, the uh, engines out on the front ramp, washing them all day long or uh, in the, uh, the, an area of the station playing cards. Uh, I can say in 33 years, I've never played a game of cards at the fire <laughs> station. Uh, we're always busy doing something. It's preparing for the call. It's training for the call, making sure the equipment's ready, maintaining the stations, uh, and training. And so we're, we're, we're busy. Uh-huh. So I, I'd like to change uh, uh, directions for a minute. Uh, uh, think back to yesteryear when I was a kid. And when I was growing up, and I'm 65, so I'm a bit older than you are, everybody wanted to be an FBI agent or a firefighter or, or an astronaut. Uh, do, do kids grow up today wanting to be firefighters? We have a fair number of uh, kids that stop by the station, and they'll come dressed up as firefighters, uh, wearing their outfits, um, it seems like everybody loves firefighters, fire trucks, uh, and those types of things. So I, I believe there are a few people that want to grow up and be firefighters. Um, I think that uh, it is a calling. It, you have to want to do the job. It is not the best paying job in the world. It's very satisfying. Um, you have to be willing to help people 
you have to be willing to help that person whether uh, how big or small the issue is because the one thing you have to remember is even if that issue is small to me it may be the biggest thing that's facing that person at this time and you have to be there you have to have a heart you have to be able to help the people and do you i talked to uh actually i talked to glenn clancy on occasion uh, our director of community development uh, about how it seems like there are fewer and fewer uh, younger kids today who want to go into public service Uh, are are you finding it easy difficult uh, to keep uh, the force completely staffed we, we, we are struggling. Uh, we're bound by civil service, um, and the uh, pool of good candidates is getting um, used up fairly quickly. And uh, what we're finding is that the people that we're getting now do not have the hands-on or the mechanical uh, aptitude oh, interest. that we need. They are smart. They can use a computer. They can do all sorts of things. Uh, as I said, I don't need the smartest person or the one that can tell me how much force it's going to take to move that hose line up three <laughs> flights of stairs in a, a mathematical uh, you know, uh, formula. But to be able to actually get that hose up three flights of stairs without me telling them step by step how to do it and without um, much direction with speed that's done safely and so we're we're missing that connection they're smart they're very smart but the uh, physical abilities uh, and the mechanical aptitude is not as it once was do you recruit uh, firefighters or so well, let me start with that do you recruit so we we do try to recruit um, uh, again Belmont uh, Belmont residents there many of their kids are uh, in Belmont are college bound so they're not thinking of the uh, public safety track and so um, we are bound by the civil service system which means that they hold an exam every two years whoever takes the exam is how they uh, how the list is established and we have to hire off that list so it's it's difficult and is it uh, I'm gonna ask a silly question here so I apologize Uh, is it like uh, the TV shows with police? That is there a fire academy that people go through? Yes, there is a fire academy. So, uh, so it's not a silly question. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think one of the things that needs to change in the profession is it needs to become a profession. So right now, uh, firefighting is considered uh, an entry-level job. You need a high school diploma and a driver's license. We do all the training after that. And so I think that we need to uh, look at what other parts of the country are doing. So they have community colleges and things like that where you actually get a a prospective employee that has their training done. They've been through a fire academy. They have their paramedic skills. They actually have some education and qualifications, not just an education, a high school diploma and a driver's license. And something you just said raises an interesting, I find this all fascinating. Yep. So uh, uh, do people start being a firefighter and, and, and continue to be a firefighter? Or do people cycle, come in for five years or seven years or however many years and then cycle out to something else and have to be replaced? In yesteryear, everybody came on, did 30 plus years, and it was their career. Yes. 
Um, we've seen, and it's with the younger generations, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular. Sure. Um, they like to be in a place three to five years. So we're now seeing uh, some of our newer employees looking at other options. Um, when I got on and you got a job as a police officer or a firefighter, um, it was like hitting the lottery. It was the dream job. It was where we wanted. Belmont was where I wanted to be, and that's where I've been. Um, new people are... Some of them are looking, oh, well, I live somewhere else or I um, want to go to a bigger department. So they'll take the civil service exam again and get hired by another department. Um, so that's something we're, we're struggling with right now. I've had uh, two people that uh, are leaving to go or have left to go to other departments. I have uh, one other that is uh, in the works and a fourth one that's most likely going to go to. Uh -huh. So, that that's uh, something that we've never faced before. So that's new. Uh, when you look at your job, and even just listening to you today, it, it the actions and inactions you take uh, seem to have such consequences. And we're talking about people's homes, people's businesses, people's lives. Uh, uh, does that does the responsibility weigh on you? Or is it, I don't know if exciting is the right word. It, it's fun doesn't seem to capture it. Uh, is it, it fulfilling? It is, Roger. Um, I love my job. Uh, my wife can attest that uh, my uh, work goes on well beyond my actual physical hours at the station. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, training firefighters, new equipment, looking at new equipment. Um, I'm involved in the DPW and the police station building projects, reviewing those plans and specs before they go out, not just from a uh, fire safety perspective, but from a town perspective. I'm, I'm a member of the town. If I can save the town some money, that means there's money available for something else. Um, so I look at those plans. I've looked at the police station plans, uh, came up with a bunch of suggestions on that uh, to increase uh, if efficiencies in operations and to uh, save the town money. Uh, like over the weekend, I got the, uh, the link to the high school plans. So I've been asked to review those plans from, again, from a, both the fire perspective, but also from having been uh, involved in many multiple building projects in town, from the town as more of an owner's project uh, sure. uh, look in review. And it's not simply buildings. I remember when the fire department weighed in on the community path, saying you have to have a certain, I mean, you have to have it, right? You so have to have it, a certain it, that, space. That's, that's a great um, example, Roger, because the community path, everybody thinks it's, oh, it's just a path. A bicycle path. Yeah, yeah. it's easy. It's, you know, put down some pavement, we're done. It's a, it's a, a long and active railroad right-of-way that we respond to. And so we have to take that into consideration. We also uh, reach out to our neighbors that have bike paths and find out that they respond to fires along the bike paths, injuries along the bike path. So it's more than just some pavement on the, on the side of the railroad tracks. Yes. So. Well, I wanted to ask about a role that I see the fire department, and maybe this is true in every community, but it seems like the fire department has a community, almost a community cheerleader role. That's not quite the term, but uh, what I'm thinking is 
when the Memorial Day parade starts, the fire trucks lead the way. When Becca Peasy came home to a community celebration, we put on our uh, our fire truck. Uh, what, what am I seeing there? So uh, we take pride in the town. Um, we uh, like to be good role models uh, for uh, potentially the younger uh, people that are coming up uh, within the town. Um, we are part of the town, so it doesn't matter whether it's the Memorial Day Parade or like Becca Peasy or we do the uh, charity softball game with the police department. We do the charity uh, hockey game with the police department to raise funds for community members who uh, or the specific charities like Muscular Dystrophy Association and things like that. Uh, and it's an important for, the, uh, for us as a civic body and a civic leaders to uh, be present and show that we are part of the community. We're not just sitting in our fire stations. Do you ever get a step away from from your job? Is there ever a time where you get to go out to dinner and have a beer and a glass of wine and just be David rather than the chief? Well, do I, you understand the question? Yes, I do. Um, and the answer to that question, Roger, is actually no. Um, really? Regardless of whether it's in Belmont or outside of Belmont, I'm a firefighter. I'm a fire chief. When I see something, I may not have a legal duty to respond, but I have an ethical and a moral duty to respond and help people. It's happened when I've been out to dinner. There's been medical emergencies. Uh, it's happened on an airplane. You have to, it's, it's in our nature. We will respond. We will do what needs to be done to help other people. And we're running a little short of time here, but uh, speaking of being part of the, the community, it seems like there are three entities in Belmont. I'm going to give you some of my biases here. Uh, there's the fire department, the police department, and Belmont Light, that uh, all three of those entities would need to work just hand-in-hand hand with each other. Is that correct? Am I correct in assuming that? That, that is correct. Uh, we... Uh, enjoy a great working relationship amongst the departments in the town of Belmont that is not uh, found in many other communities. So we do work very, very close together. And uh, finally, you're you're 55, almost 55? 55. Uh, two weeks, I'll be 55. Uh, happy birthday in advance. Thank you. Uh, at what point do you start, now, I don't want to start pushing you out the door, but at what point do you start thinking about retirement? Um, well, the, the joke around the fire station is that uh, the day you start work is the day you pick your retirement date. Uh, and we used to write it on the bottom of the wooden chairs in the kitchen. And uh, I, I did not do that. Um, but we are, we know that my retirement is in the future. Um, and we are planning to make sure that there are capable people within the department um, that can fill my role as well as all of the roles that will open up if there is uh, ascension within the ranks. So if somebody from within the ranks moves up to my position, that will open up spots all the way down the line, and we need to make sure that people are ready to do that. That's great. Well, thanks for stopping over, Chief. Uh, we're we're out of time. We didn't get through about half of the things I wanted to. Uh, we need to uh, have you back to talk about fire prevention. Welcome to come back at any time. Uh, we only talked about responses today, and I would think a huge part of what you do is to teach fire prevention. Yes. Um, we've been speaking with Belmont Fire Chief uh, David Frizzell, and I do appreciate uh, 
the chief taking time to come over. He does have an incredibly busy uh, uh, schedule. And I would like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in today. You've been listening to Community Conversations. You can stream today's uh, podcast online at the Belmont Media Center website, belmontmedia.org. And you can also access Community Conversations on iTunes by searching for the BMC Podcast Network. Network. You've been listening to Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will talk to you again next time.